Hi, and welcome to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm your host, Geeta Joshi, and today I'm here with Richard Watkins. Welcome, Richard. Hello. Talk about uh, collaboration, particularly around creative projects, because I know that you've done things like the ML project and the Mix-Up project, which have used artists around the world. But also, this is a topic that we actually that you teach in the business space as well. Should we start with which came first, ML? Yeah. So the and that's and I guess we met around that time where I was doing the ML project, and the ML project was sixteen artists from sixteen different countries, and then every artist would start a piece of artwork post it to another artist who lived in a different country who would work on it, change it, ruin it, make it better, whatever. And then they would post it to a third artist who would finish it. So we had 16 artists, 16 countries. Every artist worked on the beginning, middle and end of a different piece of work. And so we ended with 16 pieces of artwork that were kind of a bit of a, a, a merging of different styles, sometimes a clashing sometimes a real harmony found or sometimes new things found. And we did that project and it started in 2014, I think. And so was it, with the artwork, was there any kind of theme around it or was it like literally, you know, somebody that was starting that first piece of artwork, they could do anything? Yeah, the, the, the kind of edges of the project were more, were, weren't thematic, but they were kind of structural. So it had to be on an A4 sheet of paper because we were posting them around and we wanted the final pieces to all be flat and all the same size so but there, other than that there weren't any rules um, and in fact actually what ended up happening is some of the people didn't use a4 they didn't know what a4 was so they just ended up on different sizes as well there's a few bits that are a bit bigger um, but yeah we didn't put any theme on them so it was kind of trying to say hey you're an artist work in your practice as if you're beginning a piece of artwork and then when you get something, respond to what they've already started. So it was like the old game Exquisite Corpse, which is um, the sort of surrealist game from the 20s where they sort of folded over the pieces of paper. But it was like that, but without the folding. Yeah, and then we, had, and then we did shows in London, Istanbul, Beirut and L.A. And how long did, that, how long did any of the artists actually have the artwork with them to you know, add on their portion? The timeline was a really interesting part of it because when we were pulling, so I did the project, it was a collaborative effort between me and an artist from LA called Lara Salmon. And um, we sort of, sort of were working through the details together. And also the artists came from our different networks because we'd also worked in different parts around the world. So that's how kind of the idea emerged of it. But um, project itself, we set all the parameters in place between me and Lara Salmon. And when we were thinking it all through, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't a mad rush. So I think it was about, we gave everyone a month um, and then we imagined it would take about another three weeks to post and then there was another month and then another three weeks to post and then another month. And so the idea was there was this quite long time frame for everyone. So the artist had the piece for about a month and some of them sat and thought about it a lot or did lots of different bits and some of them probably just waited till the last minute and then rushed it through. So talking about how that all started, um, let's talk about how that was a collaboration mm. because obviously you had 16 people. So that's, is that a collaboration or is that somebody's having a project, a couple of people are collaborating and then the rest are participants? How do, how do you position that? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting because like you said, I now do a lot of work with collaboration in sort of big organisations. And so 
at the time, I really saw this as a collaborative project. And looking back now, I see the main collaboration, like you said, happening between more, more like me and Lara. And we were collaborating to build this project together. Like, what would it be? And neither of us had exactly what it was in mind. And we were kind of building on the ideas together. And then, and then yeah, probably the participants in this were were kind of more like part of a process or part of a game almost. And then, and then really, again, if we think about the collaboration forward, it was the artists who decided to host a show in their city. That was then a collaborative endeavor, like, okay, how are we going to show this work in the best way? So as an example, in the UK, we showed, um, we showed the work in Camberwell Post Office. And so we kind of really wanted to embody the project in how we showed it. And that was um, uh, Rosie Cooper, um, who was one of the artists who was also based in London, but she's from New Zealand. Me and Rosie were kind of working together on the show in London. So that was a kind of collaboration almost more than the artwork itself. That's like at a micro level within the large project. Yeah. Thinking in general about collaboration, what are your thoughts on how somebody could go about doing that? Yeah, so I think that's a really... I think it's interesting and I guess I've done, so I did the airmail project and then I've done a load of different collaborative projects from like I painted a big mural with two other artists um, and then the mix up, which was kind of like the airmail project, but wider in scope. And we had 40 artists in six different cities. I've done a few different types of collaborative projects over the years. And that's kind of, I guess my creative practice is almost those collaborative projects. Um, and I think, one of the things that is always true about good collaboration is it always starts with a relationship. So I think one of the mistakes people sometimes make when they think that they want to start a collaborative project is they're almost looking for like workers and they're basically hoping that some other people are going to do the hard work for them. And actually, I would say that starting a collaboration project is kind of the opposite of that. Actually, to start a really good collaborative project, there's a lot of work to do to build relationships, to build trust, and to find out what the people that you want to collaborate with, what do they want? Like, what's their practice leading them towards? And almost like one of the really important things is when you're approaching people to collaborate with them, you have to be really open to the idea that you're not trying to persuade them. You have to be really open to the idea that this might not be right for them. So you're trying to lay out something, but you're also trying to create space for them to move towards what they want. So I think that's like one of the important things about collaboration that first of all, it's always founded on relationship. Um, and then when you're exploring it, you're trying to open up almost like the possibilities of what you could do together and not have an exactly fixed idea that you're trying to enlist people in because otherwise it's not really a true collaboration. And it's more like getting people to join in with you or to participate in something that's your idea. The airmail is kind of that because the airmail was collaborative and then it was a participation that we were trying to kind of enlist people in. So the idea that, uh, you know, true collaboration is when all the parties are actually sort of both benefiting in terms of, let's say, their own creative endeavours, their own creative practice, but also bringing something to the table that is, like you say, more than just... Yeah, and making sure that everyone's got space to do what they what they want. So in the airmail, one of... <laughs> And, and that they, everyone's getting something from it. So in the airmail, I think one of the things, and we created this really lovely community, actually, of artists because of the airmail project. And then if I look at my other projects, they've often come out of the relationships that we formed in airmail. So um, the mix-up came out of that. And then the big mural, the, the all's well mural that I've got, the 30-foot mural, 
um, is has came out of a relationship from the mix-up. And I'm now doing an animation project, and that's with artists from the mix-up and from Airmail. So it's almost like all about building relationships. I mean, especially the kind of projects that I've been doing, which haven't been like paid, commissioned, or even like I'm not getting funded for them. So they're really truly creative endeavors so that they sort of have to be super fun and they have to be things that people are going, I want to be part of that. And so the airmail was kind of that because we had 16 artists from 16 different countries. And so if you think if you're like, um, I don't know, Federico from Colombia, it's an amazing, amazing illustrator and painter. Like what he always loved about it, like he loves the idea of sending a piece of artwork to Beirut or sending a piece of artwork to Australia or Malaysia or like, so it's, it's kind of connecting him with this global network. And so even though, I mean, Federico, he had a piece in the National Portrait Gallery in London. So he's like a really credible like artist, but it's fun to like join in and to mix up your work with other people. So I think that's a good example where there was space for what he wanted, which was, okay, to be part of something a bit bigger and to connect kind of with other artists around the world. So we've talked um, in a previous conversation about the idea of edges to a project or a collaboration. Yeah. What, how would you describe that? I mean, what can they mean? Yeah, so I think one of the dangers of collaboration is it becomes this really vague word, which means every time you work with anyone on anything. And I don't like to think of collaboration like that. I like to think of collaboration as specific projects with specific people to get something specific done. So in a creative context, that's where the project that you're collaborating on has an edge to it. Like it has a beginning, it has an end. It also has a scope. So you, like for example, again, like using the airmail as another example, every artist knew that they had to pay for two global postage. They had to pay for a certain amount of postage. They, um, they had a certain size of work they were working on. There was a certain time frame, and they knew that it was aiming towards some exhibitions. So they, it's almost like, that was the deal that people were signing up for. And I think what can happen in collaboration is where you try and persuade people to collaborate, but you don't tell them the deal that they're signing up for. And then in reality, it either is way more work than they imagined or way less fun than they imagined, or there's way less space for their creative voice than they imagined. And I think those are all, when you don't put the edges in a collaboration, that's where I think you get, I mean, collaboration's a mess, right? It's like, it's really easy to get a bit resentful or to feel like you're giving more than you're getting. And so I think a good collaboration is a collaboration that's clear and that everyone knows what it is. And then actually people can be much more open to join in and play and, and, and kind of work together on stuff. But I think that's what's really interesting about that is coming into that whole conversation, like being receptive. You know, it's not like, oh, you've had this idea, how can you bring it into the world? That's a different thing, right? That's probably like leading on a project. And like you said at the beginning, you know, you're looking for people to take part. You're looking to build your network or you're looking for, you know, all those things that go with that um, so that you can have this particular aim that you've already thought through rather than sort of having the conversation about, well, what could we potentially do together? What about the idea that we, something else we talked about, which was, um, knowing when to get out of things, you know, this idea that we talked about when knowing what you're getting into because it's fulfilling, like you said, with Federico and building mm. a global network. But sometimes there are points where, you know, certainly when projects don't have an end mm. or they're rolling, then it's like, okay, well, you know, sort of recognizing when it's, uh, yeah, no longer serving you and stepping yeah. away. Yeah, I just think, I think I just always come back to it. it's a really simple thing. Like we're talking about creative practice and we're talking about 
what is creative practice? It's like following what you want. It's like, what do you want to do? And I think if, if the listeners or anyone wants to collaborate with people, you've got to respect where everyone's coming from and what do they want to do? Like, what is their practice? Like, what are they trying to build or what are they trying to work towards? Um, and also be realistic about where does this fit in their priority set and not expecting that because it's a project that you're really invested in, everyone else is automatically invested. So I think, I think just knowing, just being honest and real with people about, oh, when that starts to go out of balance, that you, that you then step away. So a good example would be, um, so we did the ML project, 16 artists, 16 countries, and then we set up the mix-up. And that was where we decided, basically, um, it was Andile from South Africa who said, I want to do this with my mates. I want to do the same process, but I want to do it with mates. I want to look them in the eye and I want to mess up their work. And that's what was the birth of the mix-up, which was basically, we, had, we ended up with six different cities where there was about six to ten artists in each city mm, going through the same process, mixing up work with each other. Originally, we had seven cities um, and Rob was one of the amazing artists that we worked with um, on the airmail project. But actually, when it came down to it for the mix-up, he just had other priorities. He was training to be a tattoo artist. He was stretched in loads of different ways. So he, in the end, we, we started off where Stockholm was one, going to be one of the cities. But in the end, he just said to me, look, Rich, I, I can't commit to, what, to this. Like, it's going to be too much work. And so it was a shame, but actually... It was, it's much better for him to say that than for them to get into a project where it, it doesn't make sense for him. So I think that's, you just, if you want to collaborate, you need to be really open. You need to really respect the people that you're working with and respect their time, respect what they care about and respect how much they've got to give. And I think as soon as you start overstepping that, you become a manipulator, not a collaborator. So, I mean, I can certainly think of projects that I've worked on that were, that I, I guess I'd outgrown in some ways, you know. Um, having worked with them, they were no longer as fully collaborative as I wanted them to be. Um, mm. And just like that, you know, like you said, like respecting what other people wanted to do and just feeling that that wasn't serving me was one of the reasons I've stepped out of various things, you know, particularly in the last year, because I see myself now doing different things, sort yeah. of up-leveling, you know, in engaging in sort of broader and uh, more international practice as well. So that's kind of, you know, I think staying true to your purpose and keeping in mind, you know, what it is you want out of it is really central to this. But have you had projects that have either changed direction or just not taken off? Um, yeah, yeah, lo loads. I mean, I'm kind of one of those people that's always plotting different plans. I've always got projects in mind, different ideas. Um, I, what I've really noticed is that often they take longer than I, than I think they will. So I've got this idea of a great project and then it, it kind of doesn't go anywhere or it doesn't, it doesn't develop. But then it kind of comes back to bite me a bit later on. But also on change direction, and I think this is the key thing about collaboration, you've really got to connect with what everyone wants. Um, and a good example of that is I'm doing a project, so I'm a poet and I write poems, and then I've got this idea that it would be really cool to have poems animated because we live in a social media kind of generation, and I, I like the idea that short, really short poems with animations feel like they fit, and it feels like they're not, that we should be flooded with poems and instead we're flooded with really boring little short videos of cats. And so I'm kind of interested in like animated poetry, basically. So I started to go and see if I could find some animators. Um, so I was just reaching out to everyone I knew. Hey, do you know any animators? And some of them wanted to work on it. And I've got some really exciting animations that have happened. And quite a lot of animators, in the end, it's quite a lot of work for them. So there's no monetary aspect to this project. It's just for fun. And they have to really like my poems. So 
that kind of narrows the field. But a good example of that happened within that is I, um, one of my dear friends, Sahura, is, um, has done some animation. So I reached out to her and said, hey, do you want to do this? And actually, as we, we started the conversation and she liked the poetry and she found a poem that she really wanted to do. And then one day she phoned me up and said, Rich, I actually don't want to do an animation. I really, really want to turn it into a graphic novel. And it's a, and so in the end, the project complete, that, that one um, piece that we made almost stopped being part of the same project and almost became something on its own. And she made this amazing graphic novel out of one of my poems, which is about a moth and about, it's basically saying that everyone like hates wasps, but actually moths are the worst because they like ruin all your stuff and they like come and devour everything that's precious to you. And so it's basically like a kind of fun poem about that, but she turned it into this beautiful graphic novel. And so it's, it's really, I think good collaboration often leads you to unexpected places. And this is the joy of including people in your creative practice is that they'll take you to places you never imagined. So I didn't know that we were going to create this graphic novel, but actually it's, it's for that particular poem, it suits it so perfectly. And her, her kind of style is just perfect for it. So that's an example where a project that I thought was going to be one thing, or I start a conversation about possibilities and it goes in a completely different direction. Do you have any solo practice or is everything you're doing around collaborations? Um, my poetry is probably the, the, that I'm most protective of as a solo practice. Although I'm trying to start a new project, which is kind of inspired by the mix up and airmail with poetry. And it's interesting for me because it will be much, I do illustration, but I'm much more precious about my poetry. And so I'm kind of, it'd be, it'll create a different experience in me to be open and have people edit and change and develop kind of the written stuff. So, but my, my personal creative practice is, is some illustration um, that's more for me and then, and then writing poetry. That's my, my solo practice. And then everything else is like trying to figure out projects and what would be fun to get people involved in. And also, I just have this lovely, I just know amazing artists and I just always want to work with them and I always want to see their work. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I love collaborating is because in a way, I think I just love seeing, I just love seeing good things in the world. And that's just way more, that happens way more when I'm able to harness people's enthusiasm and excellence at what they do. Well, I really look forward to seeing how that unfolds. But mm. what about the challenges that you face actually, you know, when you're actually in a collaboration and the emotional journey of people sort of editing and destroying your work and things mm. like that, have you, you know, it's particularly on um, airmail as that was passed around the world. What have you come across? Yeah, so I think there's, there's two aspects of that actually. And the first is the work itself, right? There's lots of, there can be challenges to see and I think especially because like we live in a world where to be an artist is to be the originator or the director of what you're making, right? That's like the point. You're trying to make something that you want to make, your vision in the world. And so I think seeing that disrupted can be a complicated emotions. And what we really found is that through all the projects that I've done, there's some artists who love it and there's some who actually think they're going to love it and hate it. So I think it depends kind of what you're like as to whether it's really easy, fun process or whether it's horrific. Um, because some of the work gets worse if you open it up to other people. And that's what we've seen in airmail in the mix-up. Some of the work is beautiful and harmonious and wonderful. And some of the work is chaos. And so if 
then you as an artist might have your name on something that you're not super proud of. So that's a, there's, or, or that you're proud of in a different way. So I think that's like one of the big challenges of working in more collaborative ways or, or like this. But another, probably the biggest challenge of collaboration is just actually it's always challenging. Like working with other people requires difficult conversations. And so then the question is, are the people you're collaborating with able to have those difficult conversations about, oh, hang on, we've got a deadline to meet and it doesn't look like we're going to meet it or something's come up with the venue which makes it hard for us to have our show on time or, or those kind of things. And actually that's where you you really do need strong relationships in collaboration, not just about the project, but in general. Like things come up in our lives all the time that distract us or take our energy in different directions. And so you just, you need to be, if you're collaborating with people on a longer project, you need to be invested enough in them as a person to allow them to be moving in all the directions that they're moving in. And we had, we were talking about um, optimal numbers for collaborations as well, because yeah. I think when that grows too much, it becomes, like we said before, you know, a network or a team and things like that. And I've certainly worked with groups of people where it was it was less equal than it was originally intended. And, you know, a couple of people would start taking lead and then it becomes this sort of um, hierarchy, you know, within the structure. Yeah. And it just takes on a different format. What are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I think, um, I think most collaborations need to be led or held by someone, although what's really important is that they're not dominated, right? So there's a difference between holding something together and calling the shots. And I think knowing the difference is super important. Um, generally, I think you can collaborate with a handful of people, maybe two handfuls. But if you've got more than two handfuls, that's your hands are full, <laughs> right? So I think generally, and this is true actually whether it's an artistic collaboration or anything like I think a good way to think about a collaboration is if there's, I don't know, like let's say there's 10 of you and you have a meeting for an hour, then everyone only gets six minutes to speak in an hour. So that isn't just very long. Whereas if there's two of you, you you're kind of sharing and you've got a lot of room to, to kind of influence things. So I think that's where the difference between just getting people to join in or participate and then really collaboration. So again, the mix up, there was six different city hosts or I think, no, there was more than that. There was like seven of us because some cities had different numbers, but there was sort of seven or eight of us in a Facebook group. And that was the collaboration in the mix up. It was those group of people looking to go, Oh, something's changed. What should we do? Hey, how, like, how's your project going in Istanbul? How's Cape Town working out? Uh, what's going on in Beirut? Oh, there was a bomb in Beirut. I hope you're okay. Like those kind of conversations that we were having in the mix-up were about the humans that were working together. But the but the mix-up was 41 artists. But but it wasn't 41 artists collaborating. It was six cities collaborating together. And each of those city hosts then was doing a different collaboration in their city. So like me and Rosie were holding London, and then we had seven of us in London collaborating. And then also me and Rosie were part of the collaboration with the other cities. So it's kind of like collaboration within collaborations. So there's, sometimes there's multiple collaborations going on. But then there's a different layer of work underneath that, which is like in the, your case, making um, producing the artwork and the artist yeah. there. But I think in sort of events and things like that, that can be actually, you know, the people that you might have within a, let's say uh, a business sort of situation like people doing like sales or fundraising or uh, marketing and things like that and that can that doesn't necessarily happen at a collaborative level that happens yes. sort of under that 
Um, what are your top three tips then for artists uh, that might be listening to this uh, thinking about collaborating? Oh, top three tips. Um, I think I'd just say do it with people you love or people you like and people whose work you admire. Don't waste your time with people you don't like or whose work you don't admire. So that's the first thing. The second is, is really connect it to what you want, which is make it part of your practice. Learn something from it. Like do, do, it, do something that's like crazy or fun or weird or, or exciting for you. And then the third would be just be ready for the fact that it's, it's actually is a lot of work to coordinate and to, to work with others and to open yourself up to other people's ideas. So be prepared for some sort of, don't expect everything to be plain sailing. Um, because it never will be, but it can be wonderful and a beautiful experience to be working with people whose work you love. It can make your work better or more interesting, give you something to take away. Um, so do it. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Richard, for spending time with me this evening talking about collaboration in the creative sector. Where can people find you online? So the easiest place is www.richwatkins.com. Mm -hmm. And then on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Let's Go Rich. Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you, Richard. Thanks. Lovely to talk to you.